Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Kevin, what did we watch? Well, Anya, we just watched the 1944 classic Sherlock Holmes film with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, entitled... Perennial Favorites. No, the name of it was The Pearl of Death. <laughs> Based on the Conan Doyle story, uh, Adventure of the Six Napoleons. And based is... <laughs> It's it's very, very, very loosely based. Yeah. Because my recollection is that story didn't have Rondo Hatton in it. No, no, it did not. 
or so much murder, or Holmes fucking everything up, <laughs> causing the death of innocence. You're so evil. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Holmes, gonna... innocent people died because of Holmes, and you're laughing. You, you're like you're like you're like fucking Lestrade. You're taking pleasure. It doesn't matter that innocent people died as long as his Holmes gets his come up. Kevin, it's not. You're a... taking pleasure in the death of innocent. They're people. not real. What? Well, that was an old lady. Jesus Christ. They're not real. Her sister was broken. But that that oh, <laughs> this, geez. Mo- this is who I, I mean, married. This movie broke you, I think. <laughs> oh god this was a great one i'm not gonna lie this was amazing and i love this movie so much this this was the one of the goofiest things i've seen recently while also being very entertaining other holmes movies like pursuit to algiers there's lots of goofiness but it's like done in a way that just grates on your nerves and you just are like get me out of here this one it's it's hitting all the right notes because what you you've explained this to me is that what you want to see in a Holmes movie is you want to see action grind completely to a halt, so you can see Doctor Watson struggle to glue things into a scrapbook. Into a scrapbook that, that happens in this movie, and you were on the floor. You know why I was on the floor, Kevin? Because when. Nigel Bruce's Dr. Watson accidentally gets a newspaper clipping glued to his sleeve and then can't find it and thinks it's disappeared and is walking around all befuddled. You know what I thought? That was you. I thought that that was a fucking Kevin move. (laughs) I could see you. Oh, here it is. That's you. That's what you do every day. Versions of that. Actually, it's, it's eerie. I'm very similar to Dr. Watson, and you're always making mistakes that result in people dying. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not. So you're the Sherlock Holmes of this you, duo. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this movie was so... I loved it. I really loved it. Uh, let's let's go over what this is about. <laughs> Other than a scrapbook mess. That that there's the, that scene went on for hours. And also, it has Nigel Bruce like laughing, chuckling to himself. Oh, you know, and, and talking, oh, I'm, a, I'm good at deduction. And it's like, I just... <laughs> They just they'll just throw anything in these things. They'll just throw anything. That was the that was the like less dark version of Nigel Bruce in House of Fear walking around with a gun shooting at a cat in a darkened room while freaking out because he hears noises. Yeah, it's interesting how much time filling nonsense is in these when they're only about an hour long. Yeah, it's the filler is is basically the whole experience. They're not interesting mysteries at all. It's just like, it's always like, ex-bad guy. Oh, Holmes says he's always a bad guy. Wants to do ex-crime. And then a bunch of people usually get murdered. And then they they figure it out eventually. And, and the bad guy is always, if not Moriarty, basically Moriarty under a different name. So this this time they would oh, there's this guy. If I get him, even if it costs me my life. I will have lived blah, 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 blah. And there's some guy we never heard of, like Giles Connervalli. <laughs> oh, of course. the <laughs> it, 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 They're trying to get the spark back with Moriarty because, like, it's more interesting to have Holmes go up against someone who's his intellectual equal than just, like, some random fucking guy who robs banks or something. But... Uh, or some guy that tries to kill people with a snake, and then the people's last words are not, oh, I was bitten by a snake. 
Instead, they say it was the band. It was the speckled band. Wouldn't you say, oh, my God, I was bitten by a snake. There's fucking snakes up in this bitch. <laughs> Who would call a snake a band? I, I think you're looking at her right now. Do you want to tell them what I said about a certain animal looking out in the countryside? Oh yes, there were there was an occasion recently where we were visiting a a dear friend at his home. He lives out in the country. Uh and you were gazing out at the landscape before us and in there in the distance there was a horse grazing enjoying the sunshine. And you pointed to the horse. And you said, look, Kevin, it's a, and then you paused because <laughs> you wanted to find just the right word <laughs> because you're a storyteller at heart. You said, look, Kevin, it's a dog. <laughs> and then it was more embarrassing because then I immediately, it was a dog, a horse. <laughs> There's no dignity left for me in there. I, I'm just saying that, that ship has sailed long ago with you. I know it really has, but I'm saying I'm telling you that I could see myself being very upset about being bitten by a snake and dying and saying the wrong thing. Yeah, I can see that too. That if you ever get killed and I'm around near enough for you to leave a cryptic dying clue, I'm just gonna be really frustrated and pissed off. Oh, sorry. That, um, I guess those will be the predominant emotions that you'll be feeling with your wife dead on the floor. <laughs> How inconvenient. How am I going to figure out this one? How am I going to sleuth it? Go fuck yourself. You say the plumbing leaks or something like that, and I'll just be baffled, and you won't have helped anyone. <laughs> well, you won't have helped me by avenging my death, so that's on you. Kevin, it is the Scarlet Spotted Wolf. That's just Lanny, her dog, covered in blood. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> She's finally snapped. So are you predicting now on the podcast that you will ultimately meet your end because Lanny will kill you? I think Lanny could kill one of us if we if she took us unawares, if we were like lying down petting her and she just bit our throats and then the It'd other probably one... be you. Yeah, because I'm more affectionate with her and I wrestle around with her. And Lanny knows to steer clear of me. She has respect for me. Makes it seem like you're being mean to our dog. No, no. Lanny knows not to fuck with me. <laughs> I'm not the one saying my dog is gonna kill me. I'm what kind of a what kind, what, kind of a parano- <laughs> what kind of a paranoid lunatic fears that their little poodle will kill them? She's a she's a big ass dog. She's a pit bull, folks. She's she, a little sweet. She's a toughie, and also my dog knows not to mess with me like that makes it sound like you guys have some sort of history of violence with one another we respect one another yeah after all those fisticuffs early on <laughs> lanny's a very good girl she's not gonna kill either one of us but when you said scarlet spotted wolf then there's only there's only one canine animal in this household and it's it's our dog now don't you think my dying clue would be clear and concise and helpful no, because it would probably be like something like, I ate too much pixie sticks and then <laughs> some dumb shit like that. It wouldn't be a murder. It would just be your own bad choices. You, you're like, you've said this, you've said this yourself. President Zachary Taylor 
died after eating too much too many strawberries and cherries. She, cherries. I'm sorry. Cherries. Too many cherries and a big old glass of milk. And he was like sick for days and then died. That's you. That's a Kevin move. <laughs> So I wouldn't have to figure anything out. I'd just see all the wrappers of candy on the floor and deduce it. If you died like a president, I think you'd William Henry Harrison it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 that's you, you, you say, oh, yeah. it's not cold. I don't need a coat. Yeah. You'd walk out, get sick. I That is 100% me. You like to go outside first thing in the morning, no coat. And all you it, and just carrying like a cup of coffee. I'm wearing like clothes though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this is taking on a very different. Well, you always have your cup of coffee with you when you walk about. Or my tea. Or your tea, depending on my mood. You know, I gotta. I gotta... Usually, you wear like a house coat. <laughs> have your hair up in curlers. No, I don't. That's you. <laughs> You're the one with the lightfully bouncy locks. <laughs> You're quite well known in the neighborhood. <laughs> you had two presidents who died in embarrassing ways. That's crazy. Not wearing a coat. I could see myself doing that. I've done that before. Yeah. But you know, I don't, sometimes I just don't want to wear one. Sometimes you want to eat your big bowl of cherries. <laughs> you got That's that life. <laughs> You've got that self-destructive urge. I'm very tolerant of the cold. Cut to me two weeks later, dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. If, if the temperature in this house gets below 75 degrees, you like get a blanket and say, Kevin, turn up the heat. A little miss cold tolerance. That's because in my house, I want to feel warm and comfortable. I'm not going to make demands of Mother Nature to turn on the heat. I can deal with it. I'm out in her territory. Okay, anyways. This so be... as soon as this movie began. Oh my god. You let out a cry and said, oh my god, I have to make note of this unremarkable feature of the film. Okay, it's unremarkable, but the literal opening shot looks like it was filmed on like whatever the 1940s equivalent of an iPhone. Like an early edition iPhone was. Just this like weird zoomed in, almost pixelated looking shot of a boat splashing in water. And I just thought it was delightful because it looked like something we could do. Um, and you have this guy on this the ship. The whole movie looks like something we could <laughs> do. I know. There's no effect in here that makes you say, I can't do that. But it's delightful. I don't want to. I And don't frankly, wanna, yeah. you could do better. Yeah, we could do better. <laughs> I just feel so sorry for Basil Rathbone because he's a really good Sherlock Holmes. And he never really, like these movies are fun and we love them. And we're not saying we don't. And, like, I love that they exist and that they're as dainty as they are. But I feel like he would have really been able to sink his teeth into, like, a well-written home script and really knock it out of the park. But he had to, like, deal with all this, like, 1940s film conventions and bullshit that was going on. You know, like, we gotta have a zany thing with Dr. Watson, you know, slipping uh, down, you know, go going down a hill in the, in the snow on a little toggaboggin out of control. I mean, like... A toggabog? Toggaboggin? Toboggan? Toboggan? Toboggan. Whatever. <laughs> so tug a bug? That sounds like a euphemism for something that we shouldn't be discussing. Y your mind really stretched to get there. <laughs> but anyway. Tug a bug. Tug a... The thing, like a sled. Toboggan. 
Oh, you're a, you're just a snow sporter then. I grew up in Indiana. Oh, please. <laughs> Many a wintry afternoon, I'd go out on the hill with my sled and have a fine time. What are you, what are you Charles Foster Kane all of a sudden? <laughs> did you go did you go sledding? I went sledding, yeah. Where where, where would a New York woman in the middle of the big city? Where would you I go sledding? I wasn't in the middle of the big city. Yeah, it's slide, slide down. down the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I we had a like when when we, I was a kid who had lived in townhouses and there was like a driveway that was a hill, so we just go down that. You slide simple. down the driveway. Slide down the driveway. Just simple Westchester folks. Exactly. So, anyways, what the fuck were we talking about? The, okay, these movies are delightful. Basil Rathbone, I feel like, got kind of ripped off. I feel bad for him. Because you always see him trying to, you know, do something in these, and it's this, the silliness is too much. But, uh, this one, in this case, the silliness really works. So, basically, it starts off, dude on a ship has a big-ass pearl, of the Borgia pearl. It's very fancy and historic. Mysterious woman is talking to this, uh, you know, steals it and then starts talking to this old guy. And you immediately know, based on how he looks and how he sounds, that it's Basil Rathbone. And I've noticed in these films, he always is disguised as somebody, but always does the same, like, slightly nasally voice of like, oh, hello, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm just a little, uh, you know, Anglican minister. And it's like, <laughs> I love that. He has the same disguise, like, every time. Except for that one racist one in Secret Weapon. That was What was that one? Refresh my memory. I don't know. He basically wore brown face. So that was very unfortunate. It, it's always, you know, you're enjoying a silly movie from the 40s, and then it's just like some really horrific shit comes up, and you're like, what is this? That's like the Nancy Drew phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. You're like, like I don't, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore now. Like, it just sours sours everything but in this one he's just a, he basically uh, agrees to be a drug mule for this woman by you know taking her quote unquote undeveloped film through customs cuz they're not going to search a minister that makes a lot of sense and then um you know you you admired some of the so i don't under i don't understand holmes's plan here yeah. so holmes has disguised himself is a retired clergyman, and he's apparently on this ship to help safeguard uh, a small pearl, uh, the pearl of death, if you will. And so as he is pretending to sleep, he watches a woman go and steal the pearl. And then the woman comes and sits down next to him just as they are about to leave the boat. So how does Holmes know? Well, she's definitely going to ask me to carry the pearl for her. He doesn't. So if she doesn't, does he just say, "Well, so long. I guess I failed." Is it, what is? I mean, what's his backup plan? A pickpocketer? I don't know. He's a gentleman. I I I mean I don't. So know. I don't understand the plan. Seems like a very. But uh, then again, Holmes, Holmes does a lot of things in this film. <laughs> yeah, he's not on his A game. I don't understand. He's not on his A game in this film at all. This was 
most of these films, you're like at least like okay, well, even if the plot is stupid, he's he's doing things in in a, and other people are fucking up. Like Watson's letting in people who are obviously disguised Nazis and telling them everything. In this case, actually, Holmes is the bungler, so it's kind of a weird role reversal. Holmes causes the deaths of innocents. Holmes so, gets multiple people murdered brutally in their own homes. That's Holmes with no. Yeah, I wasn't trying to make a joke there. I just that adds to the horror. Like there's like these are home invasion murders. That's awful. And these were the things you were chortling about earlier. It's not. Oh, <laughs> well, they must have really suffered, haven't they? <laughs> Sometimes people laugh when they're nervous. Sometimes people laugh when they don't know what to say about things. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So she gives him the pearl to uh, smuggle for her. He doesn't return it to her. Instead, uh, he takes it inexplicably. Uh, bizarrely, he takes the pearl home with him. He doesn't take it to authorities. He doesn't take it to the proper owners. He doesn't take it to whoever hired him to do that. Who did hire him to go on this ship? The museum? That, that owns the pearl? So why, if you're hiring Sherlock Holmes to be a bodyguard... This is like the... This is like the billionth time he was hired essentially as a bodyguard instead of as a detective. Why wouldn't you tell the person who's actually carrying the pearl? By the way, you don't have to worry. Sherlock Holmes is here. Also, why not just lock yourself in the fuck? If you're the guy who... He basically gets called away like, Excuse me, Mr. Pearl Guard, you have a message from your mom. And like he like goes downstairs, oh, there's nothing. And then comes, like, just don't go outside. And also, if you're hiring Sherlock Holmes... He's not known as being like a Kevin Costner-esque bodyguard. He's known for being a detective. So you're hiring the reputation. So why don't you want everybody to know Sherlock Holmes is here guarding this to scare them off? 
you're not hiring him to play little costume games and dress up as an old minister. Yeah. I, I mean, some people might hire him for that. So it does. It, it, I feel like this is an episode where Sherlock is really overthinking a lot of things. Because my, you know, my advice, my security advice would just be just stay in your room and have a gun. <laughs> and, then, and then he, if, if he's, he's actually watching this woman go into the room with the pearl. Why doesn't he just say, don't go in there. I'm watching you. He lets her go in. He lets her take it. Oh, yeah. I think he has, uh, uh, I think it's what people feared was going on in Atlanta. Uh, with the, the guard being a hero stopping the bombing. Combs wants to be the big hero. He wants to let the catastrophe happen, let other people be humiliated and say, oh, guess what, everybody? I have the pearl all along. Wow, that's pretty dark. You disagree? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I love I love this series. I don't want to psychoanalyze. I mean, you said before that he hangs out with this Nigel Bruce Watson because he wants to feel smarter than him. A, a smart person surrounding himself with dumbasses to be like. That's why I married you. Now you said on multiple occasions that I'm the smarter one of the pair. That is true. So that's why you married me. <laughs> I, we I included that in our vows. <laughs> so then he takes the uh the pearl home with him and i got a bit of a surprise hanging he walks into his uh his apartment that he shares with his friend uh dr watson and what is hanging on his wall in a yeah, prominent this, place this is weird a portrait of what looked like a young abraham lincoln yeah what was that all about what unpack that for us you 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 associate uh, Abraham Lincoln with America, first yeah. of all. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, all I could think of was it, the sign of the four pips. I think it was called. Was one of the Holmes short stories that Arthur Conan Doyle wrote, and it was a. Uh, it involved the machinations of the KKK. Of of course, you know. That in these in this series, it's set in the 40s it's set contemporary to the films so it, back then it would have been not so long ago that lincoln was assassinated but he, i don't know it's such it's to be quite a long time ago it'd be like you you're watching uh a mike hammer film set in the 2020s uh mike hammer this tough guy big city detective and you go into his office and there is a big picture of winston churchill I love. I looking loved it. I don't understand it, but I respect it. You, 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 you love the character. Tell me, in your understanding, what made Holmes hang this up? I mean, he was a brilliant politician and leader, greatest American president. Maybe it, World War Two. Uh, at this point, I don't know when the if the film was released. You know. It was a 44 film, right? So yeah. we're still ongoing. Still ongoing. So maybe it's just a nice gesture. In Okay, so he went to Wash. When did Okay, when did Sherlock Holmes go to Washington? Maybe he got the portrait of Abraham Lincoln 
in Washington, and this is like kind of a throwback to like, yeah, my my time spent. Sure. You know, if I go and visit somebody, family or whatever, who live in another part of the country, and they give me some shitty gift. I'll say, oh, this is very nice. I don't take it home and hang it up on the wall. You literally own a bust of Lincoln. What are you so pressed about? I'm not Sherlock Holmes. So, 43, the year before, he went to he went to Washington. He had all these adventures. And then he, he, uh, he you know, spoke rapturously about how wonderful Washington was. And, oh, look, it's the, the monuments and the sites and the city and the great pinnacle of American democracy – Britain's true friend and comrade throughout the war and we'll stand together. So obviously he went to a gift shop somewhere in there and bought a portrait of Abraham Lincoln because maybe he was like, he's the least uh, problematic U.S. president, so I can, I can support this. I think that could be true. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice little callback to uh, one of the previous movies in the series. Okay, nice Wouldn't try. that have been great if they had, like, little mementos from all the ones? Like, you had that, and then maybe, like, something from Switzerland for the secret weapon thing, or uh, a, a ticket stub to Algiers for the Algiers one. But they never actually went to Algiers. They just were on a boat the whole time. But, you know, I don't know. I think it's some really clever filmmaking. I'm obviously being sarcastic. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand either. <laughs> You were nodding and scratching your chin and saying it was very deep. Very deep. Very, ah, yes, of course. That's cinema. <laughs> I, I loved it, though. I, I I like to think it was just a just a happy <laughs> coincidence from the uh, previous film. Maybe maybe they wanted to, in, in fairness to the filmmakers, maybe they wanted to kind of be like, America and Britain, friends, 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 World War II is going on. Or perhaps it's a very cheap and shitty low-budget film, and they just had a set that was already uh, decorated for some other film, and they said, well, let's just go ahead and film here. <laughs> Don't touch anything! we got to start rolling now! <laughs> so he he's, he's has the pearl. He's, he's underneath the picture of young Abe Lincoln, and someone starts coming up the steps... No, yeah. ...comically slowly, in a way that's supposed to be menacing this person is moving at a glacial pace yeah but he's not trying to make his step sound quiet so that's an odd combination the the the, the, the bad guy who, who we think he's a bad guy he's coming he's coming slowly but surely but he's being loud and so Holmes says oh my god I'm gonna pull a gun and you Watson Hide the pearl. So what folks do you think that Dr. Watson did with this pearl? Did he like put it up his sleeve, put it in his pocket, hide it behind one of the myriad books on the bookshelves in the room? Perhaps put it behind the picture of Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. Did he hide it in the fireplace? Did he put it in a cup? Did he put it in the cupboards? Or did he pop it in his fucking mouth like a fucking jawbreaker? At which point you were worried he would swallow it. Yeah, and there would be a whole other set of concerns then. We wouldn't get it back until it made its way through his bowels. Precisely, Kevin. That would have been unpleasant in many respects. Yeah, we're screaming. He's looking like he's about to swallow it. It's a disturbing scene, to say the least. And also one that gets repeated later on. 
They love this. They th- they love this. They th- they thought this was the funniest shit. Oh, big gumball book. That was a great piece of business. They really love this. Then the door opens because obviously anytime someone is going to come and menace you, they're going to knock and be very respectful. It's Lestrade. <laughs> Duh. So why was Lestrade moving so slowly? They almost shot Lestrade. I don't know. He's a world-weary London detective. He's got a lot on his mind. Every other time during the movie, he moves at a normal pace. Maybe he wanted to freak them out. He kind of is a jerk in this one. He keeps on joking about stuff he shouldn't joke about. So then once they see that it's just Lestrade, lovable Lestrade, Mm -hmm. scampish Lestrade, who (laughs) say what you will about his behavior in this film, but did not result in a single death. Right. Uh, Watson takes the pearl out of his mouth, the pearl sodden. With his own saliva. Takes on a new meaning during times of the pandemic, right? (laughs) Yes. Disgusting. And he offers this wet pearl from his lips to Lestrade. If I were Lestrade, I think that's the moment I walk out of 22B Baker Street, go straight down to the sergeant's desk, put my gun on the desk, put my badge on the desk, and (coughs) walk the fuck out. I'm done. Fucking done with this clown show. I'm done. This is not how policing is supposed to work. That, that kind of hurts my feelings because uh, that's how I gave you the engagement ring. <laughs> and you loved it. <laughs> I had someone else pointing a gun at you. And then I took the ring out of my mouth. And you were, you were scared because I stomped up the stairs <laughs> to come get you. You thought it was someone else. It's a situation where I will say that Lestrade does kill, get some people killed in this movie. Really? You're, you're incorrect, yeah. He fails, well, he fails in some key ways. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Well, let's get to Holmes's failure first. Well, let's talk about his negative attitude, because I think it all stems from that. You know, Holmes is fresh off all these victories. He's fought the Nazis. He's fought the other Nazis. He fought some bank robbers or whatever the fuck, murderers, whatever. This one, it's almost like he's cocky. He's coming into this museum to give them the pearl and being like, fuck this pearl, this pearl fucking sucks. People have been dying over it. People have been killing each other over it. I think we should fucking throw it back in the ocean Titanic style, which kind of conjures to mind some bizarre situation where Nigel Bruce is on a boat saying, it's been 81 years and dropping the uh, pearl into the water while Celine Dion plays. But anyways, they they get there. Holmes is just this cocky pissed off son of a bitch and you're like what's wrong man just calm down just give him the fucking pearl but no he has to get arrogant and at one point as he's being his conceited self uh the the museum director says you know don't worry holmes the pearl is going to be safe here we have a great alarm system uh watson just try to pick something up and you'll see it so watson picks something up in a really large a really loud uh, alarm goes off. This is a pretty good alarm system. Pretty good. It's lots of lots of bumbling. There's gongs. There's broken shit going on. But the main thing is, the museum director is correct. If no one actively sabotages the alarm system, it's fine. Yes. So then Holmes actively sabotages it. They go into the museum director's office. And Holmes, who's the master of observation, doesn't miss a detail. 
he doesn't notice that the museum director's door is is, is like partially open. Yes. And a menacing looking man is staring in at them. And listening in, intently to everything that's going on. And what happens next? Uh, Holmes points out, look, behind this uh, screen, there are three wires. And well, that- well, let's, let's wait a second. Okay. You're, you're jumping ahead. What happens first? Tell us. Relish every moment. Uh, Holmes says, oh, oh, look, here's a, a bowl that has round objects in it. Oops. And he knocks it over and the round objects. <laughs> <laughs> this is a crucial point. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and you neglected it. <laughs> so he says, oops. <laughs> and the round objects. I'm not even sure what they were. I, I couldn't tell you. They looked like kind of decayed uh, croquet balls. <laughs> yeah, maybe the first croquet balls ever. <laughs> maybe. He says, oops. <laughs> and the bull falls and the things uh, start rolling everywhere. And everybody else is scrambling to pick them up. And then Holmes slips behind a curtain. And this is where the alarm wires are. And he cuts them. And then he comes back and he says, guess what? There's this great alarm system you have it only works if no one cuts the wires and i just did (laughs) fucking agent of chaos i'm not even sure what point he was trying to prove i don't either i i I thought my dumbass thought well this doesn't make any sense the real homes wouldn't do this so this must be some other motherfucker in disguise who's Who's causing chaos and, and Holmes is somewhere else and he's going to come like in. Like a clone? No, just like someone, like they could do some dumb movie thing of like, oh, he's wearing a mask, you know. Or like, but it's, like like Grimes like, and Perry Mason? Yeah, like yeah, Grimes style. Grimes style Holmes and he's, he's playing, you know, a character. And, uh. Well, there's a, there's a knock on the door. Who is that? Oh, it looks like it's Anya Grimes. Oh, no! 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 What, is, what does Anya Grimes have to say about all this? Don't make me do, don't make me let her in. <laughs> yes, what is it? I just don't think you have something to say. <laughs> there she is. No! Are you gonna let her in or are you gonna make no. her stay outside? I think she I don't know. Oh she's coming in <laughs> Oh <I'm> governor <laughs> Fucking honey grind. I think she's going to just stand silently in the corner today. <laughs> Don't you? Wouldn't that be better for us? <laughs> but it's not an evil twin. It's no. the real Holmes. It's the real Holmes. And so there's this menacing person in the corner. We're like, oh, the alarm system isn't working. And so what happens? He, <laughs> in, in a really, in a really hilarious scene, he snatches the pearl pushes past all these people, smashes a window with his chair, and jumps out the window. And I was thinking, this could be in the trailer for the film. Like, run, don't walk to go see the de- Pearl of Death. <laughs> and then and then basically there's like, like the, the, the movie doesn't do this, but it kind of like almost, you feel like it spiritually did. Uh, you know, like, wah, wah, wah. And then, like, everybody's making fun of Holmes. Like, you jackass. Like, you <laughs> fucked it up. You think you're the world's greatest detective. And he's just sitting there looking like, meh. And it's like, what is this? And like, 
it's the most stupid thing that they could have him do. And one thing that was kind of like, I always liked the Basil Rathbone homes because you feel like, unlike like some some depictions, it's like you know they kind of over over uh, over exert the like social awkwardness thing, and he kind of more seems to like. Yeah, maybe a, kind of a bit snappy with Watson when he fucks everything up. But generally, like, I, I'm looking out for people's <laughs> best interests here. And, like, I give a shit about, like, some random person. I give a shit about some random person who's caught up in the middle of this crazy mess. And in this case, this decision for him to actively sabotage his employers gets multiple people killed. And he never reckons with it. No. So it's a it's a vast departure I felt from the character in a way that I still don't understand and I'm barely processing at this point. It's as if you put a Sherlock Grimes down in there. And that would have made more sense and it would have been at least like, okay, well everyone else fucked up in an understandable way. Sherlock didn't fuck up. But in this is just he's just like I'm gonna fuck everything like Like you know, like if you're like me, you like you you like it's like I feel like sometimes I have a self-destructive tendency. You know what I mean? Where I'll be like, I know this is probably going to backfire, but I'm going to do it anyway. Fuck it. You know? Like, usually it involves, like, eating too much sweets or something. Like, I know I'm going to... Or cherries. Or cherries. Zachary Taylor style. So I'm going to I'm gonna fuck myself up, and I know it's going to suck, but I'm going to do it. It's like, you know. Uh, and I feel... I almost feel like we saw Sherlock do that, and it was frankly disturbing. <laughs> Didn't need to see this. Pearl of death. So, like, in universe, do we assume, like, this is one of the times when, like... He's on cocaine? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, like, overly confident. He's manic. He's overly confident. He's making bizarre movements and cutting wires and doing all these things he's trying to do just to show how smart he is. Yeah, actually, that actually makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
Holmes's coked up uh, afternoon, though, really kind of spirals from here. What happens next? They catch the dude who stole it, which is this guy Culver's or whatever the fuck his name is. I don't Related know. to the hamburger business. Yeah, exactly. He turned his life around at some point. And, you know, they get they get him immediately. And then they have him in jail. And Lestrade, here's where Lestrade fucks up. In a much more minor way uh, than Holmes. Much less much less bad, I just wanted to point out. You know, Holmes tells him, well, look look through all his, like, lunch and stuff. Because he may have left a message for somebody telling them what to do next. And so, uh, you know... Lestrade sits down with his little tea tray and is looking through everything and, you know, doesn't even bother to, like, rinse off the plates to see if anything's written on them. So then the message goes out to this whatever the fuck his name is, uh, his gang, and they start enacting their plot to get the abortion. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll admit that I I, I wasn't paying attention at this point. Because there was a scene where uh, 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 there was uh, uh, a woman who's, like, cleaning dishes, and, like, one of the dishes is dirty and she wipes it and there's words on it. And I didn't know what was going on at that point. <laughs> I thought at first that Lestrade was just sitting down for a nice little breakfast. So I was confused, too. It was one of those scenes that completely sends the, the whole plot screeching to a dead halt. And you have no idea what's going on. But was it Lestrade who made the comment about chestnuts that rattled you? Yeah, that was upsetting. He talks about pulling Holmes's chestnuts out of the fire, which sounded uh, kind of like some bizarre euphemism, some weird sexual joke. And I just... Uh, we don't what, need that. What's the like? Uh, his balls. His testicles. Yes, and like, do we need that? Pearl of death. <laughs> no. Maybe I, I. Maybe I'm getting the wrong idea. That's just what it sounded like. Everything is balls to you. <laughs> you look at a couple of pillows, <laughs> lying on the bed. You say, Kevin, those look like balls. What's wrong with you? You got to uh, stop. Yeah, you really need to stop before you hurt yourself, Kevin. I regret it. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should hang your head in shame, frankly. Oh, and then Watson goes out and assaults members of the Fourth Estate because newspaper reporters are reporting. Uh, they're, they're understandably saying Holmes really did something dumb. He did something dumb. He, he didn't overestimate his his adversary he aided his adversary directly through his actions and so watson's of course going out and slugging reporters it's just ridiculous now you're a reporter yourself have you ever been punched by anybody by an elderly man who is upset that you've done that that just sounds disturbing when you say it that (laughs) way it's an elderly man who lives with another elderly man (laughs) An, el- an elderly man who says things like, I'm as hungry as a bee on a flower when he's about to dig into his kippers. <laughs> I love these movies. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. He's like, yeah, they're all they're all bashing you because like, he fucked up pretty badly. He deserves to be bashed. There was no reason for him to do this. He could have just pulled the director aside and said, you need to get some guards on those wires until you can redo the system to be a little bit more secure. That would have been fine. I was surprised there was no talk with charging him with something. Brutal. Well, I mean... Sherlock Holmes goes to jail! You don't have to... Obviously, you wouldn't necessarily assume he did this in league with the person who was very noticeably listening. But at the very least, he destroyed museum property when he cut the wires. 
they really i don't know why and by doing that he immobilized the security system i don't know how much it would cost to repair something like that wouldn't it have been easy also for the script writer to just have holmes be like hey you guys should do something this doesn't look that secure to me and then be like well no we're confident and then somebody robs it in front of them and he's like well i'm right there's no reason to have it be his fault from a narrative perspective doesn't add anything he doesn't grapple with any guilt I think you can make a pretty convincing case that the creators of these films don't like Holmes or Watson. So maybe let, let's show let's show Holmes up. And they go out of their way to make Watson look as bad as possible. Yeah. We, we alluded earlier, I think it's coming up in the movie, to the scene where suddenly the story stops. Uh, so we see that Watson can't even glue a newspaper article into a scrapbook. And you think, well, maybe because uh, it gets glued to his sleeve, there's like something on the other side of it he didn't notice before. Maybe this is plot. Yeah. But it's not. Nope. It's just, let's just have a few minutes to make this guy look dumb. Why do you think they, Why? what makes you think that they hate Holmes? Because I feel like he in most films doesn't come off as looking as bad as Watson. This one's pretty bad, though. This one makes him look pretty bad. I want to know who wrote this. So the guy who wrote this was Bertram Milhauser. He wrote a bunch of different stuff, including a pre-code Sherlock Holmes film starring Clive Brook. Something called Jimmy the Gent. (laughs) Nick Carter, Master Detective. He wrote, actually, Sherlock Holmes in Washington, Sherlock Holmes Faces Death, Spider-Woman. So he wrote a number of, uh, The Woman in Green. So he wrote a couple of these. I don't remember in any of those other ones, uh, Holmes doing anything this insane. Maybe he was just having a bad day and was like, I don't want this fucking Sherlock Holmes job. I want to be a real artiste. Like, let's, (laughs) let me just write this and see what they say. And then no one edited it. It, it it's just odd. It's 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 very odd. It's 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 pretty funny, but it's it's pretty kind of horrifying. I will also note that uh, there's a there's a beautiful there's a beautiful scene in here that I this movie I think keeps keeps things rolling because while all of like these things that screech the plot to a halt, um. They, they do screech the plot to a halt, but they're often very bizarre, and they're often pretty short. So a bunch of, like, small things keep happening, and it's just very jarring. You're jumping from thing to thing. Like, for example, there's a scene where t- the Watson and Holmes are out for a walk, like they go in, like, you know, in all the credits, walking around London, and a car pulls up full of two men, and those men yell out the window, handsome, and then open fire, and for a second, I thought they were getting, like, catcalled. Like, how men, like, lean out of cars and, oh, you're so beautiful. I thought they were calling them handsome. <laughs> like, so you thought it was handsome. like a... You thought it was like hey, a... handsome! <laughs> you thought it was like a homophobic thing? No, I thought it was, like, some sort of, like, they were catcalling them. <laughs> I was very confused. I guess they were referring to a handsome cab, but that's not how it sounded. And for a minute, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like they were reading your mind. Because anytime you see them on screen, you cry out, my handsome. Han- my handsome lads. No, isn't that bizarre? Like, I just, <laughs> and they just, I, just, I wondered why you were laughing at that I was, scene. I was crying. 
Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, that was weird. But it, it, it was stupid. And then, uh, and then you know, the scrapbooking scene. Uh, then, of course, the bad guy comes into disguise and tricks Watson. And then... Uh, the bad guy comes in, he says, uh, uh, Watson tries to guess his identity through deduction. And he gets it all totally wrong. Uh, which, you, again, yeah. is, is a way of, of shaming Watson. And since the whole point is that this guy is in disguise and wants to trick Watson, if Watson said, oh, I think you're Mr. Micawber, Watson's like, oh, yeah, you're right, I am Mr. Micawber. And by the way, here's... Because he says, I'm, I'm so grateful to Sherlock Holmes. I wanted to get him something special. So I got him this very rare and very expensive book. But by the way... This special gift, this incredibly expensive and valuable gift, this rare item, I completely destroyed the value of it by writing in it. And I want I want Holmes to be the first one to see what I wrote. So, so don't open it. Spoken like a true book collector. So I kept on thinking, uh, oh, Holmes is going to realize that he shouldn't open the book once he sees it, hears there's an inscription in it because nobody would write in a book that valuable. But he doesn't. I thought he was going to realize it wasn't uh, the right guy because he said, oh, he made a point of saying, like, like so many, you know, ministers of the faith, he's totally penniless. And it's like, well, how do you get this really expensive book then? Um, but and then, then I, no, neither. Then I, I think we thought that the book was going to, like, be a little bomb or something yeah. when you open it yeah. and have a little explosion. But instead, the book is rigged to shoot out a knife when someone opens yeah, these it. These old movies love that shit. Everything's shooting out knives. You, you know in real life that would be really, like, that would be, first of all, it could work and miss. Second of all, I just feel like that kind of shit's going to possibly open by itself. I don't know. I mean, something without any springs in it. I mean, I'm, not, I'm no engineer. Maybe your dad would, would know, but I just... That doesn't seem like a very foolproof way of killing and, and somebody. And I, I also think that, okay, you have the weight of the knife. You have the weight of the springs. That This is going to be a lot heavier than just a book. Yeah, You're going to pick up something that's going to be like a 20 pounds. Like maybe we just leave that alone. Maybe we just put that outside. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. And, and as you said, it's like a weirdly mean spirit. Like, I want to emphasize, and this is by no means a novel point. Many people have said this. Uh, it's in, totally unoriginal. It's totally unoriginal, but it deserves to be repeated because in the in the in the original source material, Holmes is I mean Holmes is like this genius, and Watson's like a guy who is a physician in a time where the where physicians were becoming professionalized, becoming more professionalized, and he's a successful physician. He's respected. He's a, a veteran, and you know a gentleman. And he's not like, he's not, he's by no means as smart as Holmes, but then again, nobody is. And he's competent, loyal, and is able to bounce off ideas with Holmes in a way that Holmes finds helpful. And that's not because Watson's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, he's like, you know, he's smart. He's like a, a smart average guy. And like, the, and the mo these movies are just so gleeful about him being like the biggest dumbass in Britain. It's crazy. It's it's really wild that they took that direction. And what does that say? If if this is Watson, what does it say that this is the person Holmes chose to be his best friend? 
his closest maybe, comrade. Maybe just maybe it's like you you know you become roommates at some point and then you just kind of grow out. I mean, this Watson is very fun to watch. <laughs> he's he's like a child. He's just doing whatever. He, do, he doesn't. He has no responsibilities. He just likes to have fun. And he totally messes up everything Holmes tries to do. Yeah, I know. But I kind of I do find their relationship slightly endearing, nonetheless. Even though I think it's ridiculous and and stupid and badly written, I just I I don't know what that is. I just am like <laughs> it makes me smile. It's really stupid. Uh, I can't defend it, and it doesn't. It's completely indefensible. It's indefensible. It makes a mockery of the original source material. Yeah, I don't. I just also I don't know why they did it. It just it didn't have to be this way. Um, I I think it says more about the. Uh, the sensibilities, perhaps, of the people who created the series are like, oh, we have to have a really, a, a ridiculous amount of quote-unquote comedic relief to get people interested. You know, ha- have it all, basically. So do you think that's true? Like, when you, you're a journalist, when you, like, write a news newspaper story, do you, like, in the middle of it, say, hey, knock, knock, or here's a gag? <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm, that that's a totally different medium. But in, in the 1940s, maybe they felt like we gotta we gotta razzle dazzle and we gotta gotta get Nigel Bruce in here and he's, he's gonna buffoon it up, you know. And and that maybe they felt that that was a necessary necessary addition to make them more fun, and you know. And the movies do seem to have be have, have be trying to have it all in the sense that like they're you know political thrillers slash murder mysteries slash ridiculous buddy comedy thing with you know like, like they just kind of tr- seem to try to cram in a lot. <laughs> Into an hour, pretty much. And there's... Uh, and there's still, like, half of it is filler. <laughs> yes, and there's, like, good material there. Uh, one of the bad guys here is a vicious killer played by Rondo Hatton. We'll love to have seen maybe five minutes more with him instead of that scrapbooking scene. Let's talk about Rondo... Okay, the scrapbooking scene was delightful, but they could take out the thing with uh, Lestrade looking at some guy's old lunch. I think. But are we going Maybe we shouldn't talk about Rondo Hatton yet. But we have to go okay. to the next crime scene. Yeah, and then we could talk about Rondo Hatton because I had some problems with that. <laughs> so the next crime scene: uh, a woman, an older woman, has been brutally murdered, and they talk with her in the room where her sister is present. They didn't present. talk with her. She's dead. So a woman has been brutally murdered, and her sister is there in the room with her sister's fresh corpse. It's awful. And they're, like, trying to chat it up with her. Yeah, it's awful. They have, I mean, I guess they just didn't want to spend money on more sets of, like, a downtown police station. But I was like, And oddly enough, in that scene in the background, there was a picture of Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) The the real culprit is uh, John Wilkes Booth. He survived and is out to get revenge on all the British Lincoln fans. Let's see, oh, there's this woman, she died, her back was broken. It's like, oh, you know the person who breaks people's backs when they kills them? Rondo Hatton. Well, he escaped prison a few years ago, but we assumed he died. It's like, okay, well, maybe not. Because <laughs> some other dudes in the earlier in the movie got his back broken, so it's obviously a problem, and this man is not exactly an inconspicuous person. So do you want to go into your Rondo Hatton bit? Okay, so this, this man... Uh, this man, Rondo Hatton, in real life, he was a journalist, which is really cool. And he had a, uh, basically a growth hormone issue called acromegaly. And that caused his features to kind of, I guess, expand and kind of, and they, and they basically, he, he had a career essentially in horror films 
because because of the way he looked essentially. And I don't know, that just made me feel really sad because like he's never playing it seems like he's never playing a good guy. He's just always like this monster just cuz he had this debilitating issue essentially. That just made me sad. I mean, it's, it's, like but like they always in these old films they always uh and this is one of those things that takes me out of old films. They always uh, link disability of some sort with evil. You know, like, like that's just awful. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Todd Browning film Freaks? No. We should watch that sometime. What's that about? It's about people uh, who are who are different. Yeah, I just, I did just, I don't know, something about it in this just made me kind of sad that he, that was his whole thing. They'd come in and be the scary guy and everyone would be like, oh, he's scary, he's bad. And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he got work, obviously, in Hollywood. You know, seems like that was... Uh, get, glad he was getting those jobs, but it just just felt a little mean. Like, that. he's not wearing a mask. That's just the way his face looks. Yeah. And to me, he didn't look that weird. I mean, he just... He looked like he had that, that, that uh, hormone disorder, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when they finally show him, you're supposed to be like, oh my god! And it's like, okay, just... <laughs> whatever he's very tall so that's my rant it's a fine that's rant. my pc rant for the day i just i don't know i was just thinking about that but yeah he's the uh the hoxton creeper what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. That's what they call him. And they, yeah. They, also, in this, he's not just a, an assassin and a murderer, but he's basically also portrayed as, like, he doesn't really talk. He's almost an animal, you know? And it's like, oh, that's kind of dehumanizing. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um, although, had they written a better bad guy part for him, I think that could have been more fun. Yeah, like, maybe cut out that scrapbooking scene, flesh out this character a flesh bit Flesh him out, make him, a, make him a person instead of just a monster. You know, it, it's it's fine if he's using his strength to break backs, but, you know, maybe maybe there's more to him than just... Uh, being a backbreaker. Being a backbreaker, exactly. So then Holmes uh, figures it out. 
that what what's been going on is that at some point the guy who stole it before he he was captured he went into this little workshop of a sculptor the sculptor happened to be preparing six uh plaster busts of napoleon and so this this uh they they hid the pearl in one of the busts and they didn't know which one so they're doing they're going around and killing everybody who bought the bust of napoleon which might be a good policy anyway <laughs> and then breaking them to see which one had the pearl and so far they hadn't found that one uh and holmes reveals that he figured this out by making watson go through a little charade yeah that was upsetting he says, okay, Watson, I want you to come in this room. I want you to look around. Spin around. Do a handstand. I want you to walk over to these other plaster things. I want you to take a, something out of your pocket and use your finger, Watson. Use it to quickly push it into the, the statue. It was like a hypnosis thing. You know, it, it, was, it was bizarre. It was like a power play. It was upsetting to watch. They could have cut this too. <laughs> and so then they, they say, okay, well, the, the last one, the last... <clears throat> bust of napoleon was uh purchased by a doctor let's go to this doctor's house and then we see somebody purporting to be the doctor doing surgery at his house <laughs> <laughs> and they obviously just wanted him to be a doctor so that person could be wearing a surgical mask so you can't see all of his face so they, then oh it's basil rath because you know it's Basil Rathbone because he's doing that little like, oh, hello, I'm, I'm, I'm doing surgery right now at, you know, 10 p.m. on a Friday night at my house. I mean, what the fuck? You know, one thing they could do would just have him be any other profession and just cut out that clergyman disguise at the beginning of the picture. Have, you know, with the Incredible Hulk, they used to allow two Hulk outs. Maybe in a Holmes film, let's allow one Holmes disguise. Yeah, that's it. That's your that's your allowance because you're they're abusing it. You don't need to have him in a mask. This is the first time we've seen him in disguise. Exactly. Or if, if if Holmes isn't such a glory hog, he could have Lestrade or some anonymous member of the police force pose as the doctor. Agreed. Which would make more sense because then there could be backup in the room waiting. So the situation doesn't get out of control. So there's no risk of broken backs and bric-a-back as the uh, bric-a-brac. Broken brac back. <laughs> Jesus Broken Christ. backs and bric-a-brac, as the, as the newspaper said. It's a great phrase. So then uh, the Giles Montgomery Culverson, or whatever his name is, <laughs> he comes in with a gun to get the last bust. Uh, Holmes is able to catch him unawares and pull a gun on him and get Giles to drop his gun. And, and then Holmes starts doing the classic Holmes move yeah, of making an endless speech. He says, oh, you know, Giles, I, I don't mind killing you at all, sir. I don't mind it a bit because you deserve it. You deserve it all because you're not a nice fellow at all. You're not a nice fellow, Giles. That's why it won't bother me. It won't bother me a bit. He just goes on. He's like waiting for something to happen. And then what happens is Giles takes the, the gun away from Holmes and puts, <laughs> pulls the gun on Holmes. And says, you know what? I'm going to kill you. But before I do, I'm going to call in the the creeper. And the, the creeper comes in and uh, he says, okay, creeper, the real doctor is upstairs. Why don't you go up and kill him while I'm down here killing Holmes? And Holmes says, oh, I think the creeper liked this woman. 
I'm going to make loud comments about how <laughs> Giles is, is responsible for this woman's going to die. And so obviously Holmes is trying to manipulate the creeper into killing Giles. And so he says, oh, yes, it's a terrible thing you've done by putting this woman in harm's way. She's going to die all because of you. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. So why, why doesn't Giles just shoot him? I don't know because he's going to shoot him anyway. And second of all, I don't really get why this even worked on the creeper. Holmes said the creeper's sane. He's not a madman earlier in the film. And uh, he's, he is obsessed with this woman, Naomi, who's the bad lady in it. And she is under arrest for murder, so I guess she could be executed. But Holmes doesn't say anything to imply that it's directly Giles' fault. I thought he was going to go the route of saying, like, you know, we know that you set her up to take the fall. That would have made more sense from the, the pissing the creeper off perspective, but he's basically, she had the misfortune to get captured during this. That's it. You'd think that the creeper would maybe more be more motivated to go and strangle the guards at jail so that he could get her out as opposed to immediately lashing out at his employer, who, in fairness, is, is not necessarily to blame about his... about her uh, So you're like a Giles Culverson apologist. I, 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 I think people should reassess... What he was trying to do here, I just think a more nuanced perspective is uh, is welcome in my view. So the creeper comes and kills Giles, even though Giles is armed. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and then a weird scene happens. Why don't you describe it? <laughs> Basically, Holmes freaking out as what's the guy's name? Han Rondo. Rondo Hotton. Rondo Hotton is is walking towards him very slowly with his arms outstretched, like "Ooh, I'm gonna get you." And Holmes is like, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me, and then shoots him. And then everyone comes in and is like, oh, okay, he's dead, and and that's it, folks. So basically, Holmes engineered a situation where at one point he has a gun on a bad guy, and the bad guy's accomplice. But he engineers a situation where the bad guy, Giles, and the creeper both get killed. Yes. And neither one of those deaths is really necessary. It's not satisfying. Sometimes in movies, I get frustrated because if a, you know a character is doing something so horrible, or it's a situation where they keep on getting out and keep on killing a bunch of people, at some point it's like, why don't you just kill them? You know, I mean, because we're talking about fiction, it, it doesn't matter. And in the rules of this universe, basically, you're sparing a bunch of innocent lives at this point. But uh, this was not one of those times where I was like, oh yeah, better better kill them both. It was just kind of like. All right, like you could probably could have handled this better if the police had come in, you know, and like arrested everybody and had a trial. Why did we need to have Holmes do this undercover work himself? I'm gonna tell you something. I just popped into my head a very dark thought. Please share it. Did he kill these men because he wanted to? <laughs> he wanted to not have them be questioned by police. Maybe he wasn't on the Borgia Pearl theft. <laughs> That would explain a few things. That would explain a few things. Hate to say it about our guy, but uh, Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes is not coming out of this uh, unscathed. This oyster unscathed. <laughs> so then the bad guys are dead. The pearl's been recovered. What does Holmes do as the movie finally well, draws? Well, you know, it's the end of a Basil Rathbone Holmes film, so he's got to get up and give his little speech about whatever the general topic of the movie is, in this case, pearls. So he's like, the bright and shining pearl of liberty and justice will always stand for, you know, me, the freedom of man and you know, the pearls are you know, the symbol of the uh, beauty of, but, you know, they're they got a hard times. And That's how it is, sir. 
And the music swells and we fade out. <laughs> and you were, were mesmerized. You had complimented the movie earlier because it was a shot of a light over Baker Street that almost looked like a pearl. And you're like, that's kind of evocative. And then they end on this weird shot of, uh, like, the mirror shot of, like, Holmes and Watson looking at each other with the pearl in between them. And it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> it was really, it was quite awkward. It was, it was a dumb film. But it was so good. I love this one. Why do you think this one we found so entertaining when it was obviously bad and poorly done? Because we're dumb. I mean, I guess that's the answer. We're I think dumb that's the idiots. Answer. We're dumb idiots, and we'll take any slop they give us. <laughs> I guess that's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> Jesus, silly things took a bleak turn. Am I right? There's no redeeming factors in this case. In this, so, in this so you think the fact that we derive any enjoyment from this film at all is is an indictment when, against us as people as people and when you describe it all it's not like you're saying oh but there's a really good x there's nothing there's absolutely this is totally irredeemable this is like you're looking at the rubble of like a demolished house and being like let's live here i, I don't even know what to say to make this all i can say is i found it funny <laughs> the hero makes mistakes that kill people uh, he then, at the end, engineers a situation <coughs> that results in the death of two bad guys. Necessarily, you your your your, fav- your favorite character, your favorite character punches out a reporter who's just trying to do his job. Ordinarily, you'd be the first one to condemn that. I'm telling you, Kevin. There's something about this that just delighted me. I don't know why, but I'm going to tell you something. You were hooting and hollering during the whole thing, too. So I think you were delighted, too. You're not above it all. You're down on the seabed right with me. So what did you like about it? What made you so tickled? It wasn't dull. It was not dull. <laughs> Except the beginning. Yeah, the beginning was dull. That was that. It was like, oh, come on. Just come on. That whole sequence of the, the, where uh, there's a guy guarding the pearl and he's on ship and he gets distracted and the lady comes in and steals the pearl. We didn't need that. Yeah, we did not need that. Fuck that. But otherwise, I think it, to me, I think it was the, the, the shortness of a lot of these sequences. They they lasted long enough to be funny, but not so long that it stopped being funny. And it, it was just kind of boom, boom, weird, 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 done. And that was it. <laughs> When there's, like, a long sequence of, like, Holmes playing a bridge game with two bad guys on a ship, that's where you're kind of losing me. Like, okay, we got it. We got it. Just move on. This understood. Yeah, maybe we want to see uh, Watson doing this scrapbook for a few minutes, but then we're done. We, that's not what we need. Maybe we want to see Holmes yelling at Watson in a porcelain factory and making him do all sorts of weird shit, but, you know, then we're moving on. We're just going to keep hopping along. Any final thoughts? I, 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 when we release these, we always cut out the parts where we embarrass ourselves the most. So I don't know what the actual length of this episode is going to be once we cut out all the embarrassing things. But this raw conversation has lasted longer than the film itself. Oh, Jesus. How long? Three hours. No. <laughs> you found that credible. An hour and 12 minutes. Jesus Christ. I remember there's a Nancy Drew episode we talked about once for like three hours. Yeah, let's not talk about that ever again. <laughs> looking looking somberly in the distance. 
That was a whole mess. And it was like the night before you had something important to do. I know. Right and early. Like, why did you look at, like shit in that? Well, because <laughs> I make bad, reckless choices just like Sherlock Holmes. In and this you film. didn't look like shit in it. You've I never looked like shit, shit in your I, life. I did. You've never looked like oh, shit in very, your life. You're very sweet. I love you very much, but I could have looked better than that. So are we done? Yeah, we're done. All right. For fans of this series who have uh, an appropriate appreciation of the absurd, I would say this movie is a pearl of great price. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.